Welcome everybody to Cloud and Clear, our cloud transformation podcast. I'm here today at Insight World Headquarters in Chandler, Arizona for a very specific reason. I have an incredibly special guest as part of my CEO series, the CEO and president of Insight, Joyce Mullen. Thanks, Tony. I'm really excited to be here. And I love the name Cloud and Clear. You nice like job. It. Thank I like you. it. I like it. Uh, it's so cool that you're my guest. <laughs> because we just did this very big thing together. I uh, know, it's a very big thing. And uh, you get to be a part of our CEO series, which I love. Thank uh, you. In person, in headquarters, and uh, it's a format that I think is gonna get a lot of uh, people excited. So Great. thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get into the business and acquisition and all of that, um, you know, when I got to know you many, many months ago, I was just so impressed and fascinated by your journey and your career and where you started and how you got here. I always like for the audience to get to know the people behind the technology and the company. So um, I'd love to hear a, a brief story of your journey to this amazing position at this great company, how you got here. Okay, well, um, I've been in this industry a really long time, Tony, a really long <laughs> time. But um, I started, uh, I, my actually my first job out of school was really, was at Cummins Engine Company. And I went to Cummins Engine Company a million years ago because I was really excited about working on something that was tangible. I was excited about working on something that I could see and touch. And I was excited about working in a business that was international. And mm -hmm. um, so those were really priorities for me. And I spent nine years there and loved it and had all kinds of mentors. You know, when you go to, go to work for a company that's 100 years old, they have very well-developed processes mm -hmm. and systems and especially development processes and leadership principles and things like that. So I learned a ton there. And I got to take that, everything I learned there, and went to Dell after that. And I spent 21 years at Dell, also loved that career. It was a pretty big switch mm -hmm. from diesel engines to technology. What I loved about Dell was the speed. They used mm -hmm. to call everything Delocity. And, <laughs> um, and I loved the thought about remaking an industry, which is really what Michael Dell did. Yes, um, big time. He wrote a book called Direct from Dell. I had mm -hmm. just read it and I went and um, you know, I left with an offer and I called my husband from the airport and said, what do you think about moving to Austin, Texas? <laughs> he said, because he's awesome. He yeah. said, yeah, no problem. Yeah. And we did. So we moved our family to Austin and I got to do so many different jobs at Dell. I ran sales for a while. I ran services and parts and logistics for a while. I ran our channel distribution like network. Every part of the business. Every part of the chain. business. Yeah. And what I feel like all of in my last job was running the channel. For mm -hmm. Dell, the partner mm -hmm. channel, 170,000 partners around oh, the yeah. world. Yeah. And I feel like all of those jobs, all those different responsibilities led me to the opportunity that I have today, which is so incredible. And that is to really put all those experiences together to understand what it's like to be a customer of technology, to understand what it's like to sell technology. And, um, and now I get to be in charge of Insight, which is, I think, at a fascinating point in our history. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a good company. There's such so many strong foundational elements. And I think we have every right and an obligation to make this a great company. Mm -hmm. And you are a part of that. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to be here, because I feel like we get to be an active participant, an important piece in redefining our industry mm -hmm. and uh, redefining of what value to customers can mean. So I'm just super excited. The potential is, is huge. And I felt so akin to the transformation that Insight has been undergoing 
it was so similar to what we were feeling we yeah. were undergoing in um, transitioning to services and solutions and customer centricity. So it's like, it's going to be um, very exciting. Well, very you exciting. know why that makes so much sense. I mean, mm. it's so true. I, uh, so at Dell, I could see mm -hmm. SIs trying to figure out how to learn more about product. Yes. I could see resellers trying to figure out how to deliver more services. And it's the same thing that you were just talking mm -hmm. about. Customers need outcomes. Mm -hmm. They need technology that delivers a better customer experience for their customers or more efficiency for their manufacturing plants or totally. whatever. Yeah. They don't need technology for technology's right. sake. And we got to figure out how to put that together. And mm -hmm. that requires hardware, software, and services, mm -hmm. and we got to deliver all of those. Yeah, very few organizations can actually do that. Yeah. And I think, um, the, again, uh, it's an uncommon model relative to what has dominated our industry. Right, which right. Which is, you know, you bought all your stuff from certain set of vendors and you hired a completely different set of partners to deliver it and make it work. And I think what has accelerated and actually elevated the importance of the continuity of value transfer is cloud itself. Yeah. Absolutely. Because whether or not the technology gets implemented and to what degree and how it's managed and what it costs and how well it works has never been more important in the world of consumption and consumption economics. Exactly. Right? And those choices have just gotten so dispersed, oh, yes. so vast, mm -hmm. so confusing, honestly. Mm -hmm. And our customers just don't have the time or the money or the energy to try to figure out all these permutations. Which GPU should I buy? Which mm -hmm. CPU should mm -hmm. I buy? At? Should I buy, should I put my workloads in a public cloud or a private yeah. cloud? If it's public, which one? I mean, yeah. uh, it's job security, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's, yeah. a, there's a lot to figure out when you think yeah. about technology solutions. It's not getting simpler. Nope. No, but uh, uh, I think it's uh, getting more exciting. Yep. Uh, I think what we both saw, and I know you started the, the work down the path with NVIDIA and Microsoft and others, we had started the work with, with Google on their journey around AI. And uh, I know it's like you can't have a conversation without AI and I don't want to be like repetitive about it, but we are, I think, starting to see a new wave of optimism, but also a completely new set of challenges around how it's going to actually land, how it's going to produce ROI, how is it going to be safe? Yeah. How is it going to be secure? And I think combined now, we can really bring forth essentially the best assets and capabilities and models and services to um, to the market. Yep. The best of what Microsoft and others have to offer, the best of what Google has to offer. How much of that was part of the thesis of us coming together for you? So we had been thinking about Zada for many years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm flattered. Thank you. <laughs> and because and I've known Insight for many, many, many well, years yeah. with a great deal of respect as well. So. Because you have built a great reputation. You have been Google's number one partner for six years running. I mean, and we hope that continues for a long time. So we were looking at at you and at Google, and we were already had a Google practice. It was mm -hmm. just relatively very small and so because of a simple reason we went back to the customer requirements that we talked about mm -hmm. multi-cloud is everywhere we know we need to provide multi-cloud solutions to our clients and we knew that we had to build stronger capabilities in the other public cloud sectors mm -hmm. and i mean there was no better choice than than sada when oh, it came to google that. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's what we were aiming to build. Right. Uh, we were aiming to focus and uh, kind of control our destiny with a very uh, niche but deep uh, approach around this one ecosystem. And, you know, we had no preconceived notions around how our forever company story would 
progress, but I think just being part of inside a public company, I feel like we're fulfilling this dream of um, ensuring the continuity of what we do forever uh, with Insight. Well, so. in Gen AI, by the way, was a really, I would say, I sort of just put an exclamation yeah. point yeah. on the thought and the decision process, because mm -hmm. first of all, I, I know it's, it's everyone wants to talk about it all yeah. the time. I think generative AI is an unbelievable opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you think about soul sucking work that our teammates have to yeah. do every single day when they move data from one cell to another mm -hmm. cell or they try to process some inane thing that is a derivative of our ERP system or mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, that is not fun. No. That is not fulfilling. No. no one wants to do it. Right. And if we can figure out how to extract that soul sucking work mm -hmm. and give it to some of these tools mm -hmm. to do for us, then we drive our teammate engagement up. Yeah. If we can figure out how to extract some of the more mundane processes between our clients and our and us, we can improve our client engagement. Totally. And if we do that, we unlock all kinds of innovation, mm -hmm. all kinds of productivity. So mm -hmm. I'm very, very excited about it. It is clear that Microsoft and Google are going to lead the way here. For sure. And um, we're going to be right in the middle of it, helping yep. our clients understand the use cases, mm -hmm. helping them understand um, how they can save money, how they can drive efficiency, mm -hmm. how they can drive more engagement, mm -hmm. but also making sure that they have the proper controls in place, yes. the safety very elements in place, the governance in place, the training in place. Mm -hmm. So I think this is driving a bunch of optimism. I mm -hmm. think we're seeing it a little bit in the market. Yeah. Um, and we're certainly hearing about it from clients, but it's very early days. So it's there's very lots early to days. Come. Uh, I think what's it's, it's surfacing for us is new conversations with customers that have never tapped us on the shoulder for services yeah. before. Yeah. We're seeing entry points into traditional enterprise where they have a charter board level down to sort of figure out what it means for their strategy. And actually, like I'm an general uh, optimist when it comes to all technology innovation and uh, transformation and revolution, I do feel like what you say is true is that it's going to really enhance the work that people do. People themselves will be able to hopefully elevate to higher value work. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's going to be an incredible net positive to uh, the economy and industry and productivity on a global scale. Uh, it, I think it's going to be a, a, a human plus AI partnership in right. the workplace that's going exactly. to drive a lot of this. The other thing that is driving, and I love your perspective on this, is um, as people go down the road, our customers go down the road of wanting to do something production grade. Isn't it also surfacing the other areas that are not AI related at all that need a bunch of upgrading to get them there? Absolutely. I mean, we see this all the time and we're seeing it internally as we try to apply these tools right. and use them and leverage them to their fullest extent possible. Data's got to be in a reasonable state. You got to understand what your data looks like. You got to understand mm -hmm. where it is. You got to access it. So managing and figuring out data lakes, data estates, data swamps, whatever you want to call <laughs> yeah. them, um, is a really big deal. Yeah. There's a huge training and development um, opportunity for, Big for time. you know, when we think about and we do this exercise and we're trying to get better at it, but we do this exercise where we think about what does the workforce of the future look like mm -hmm. five years from now? What do our software developers need to know mm -hmm. five years from now? What do our analysts need to know five years from now? What do I need to know? What mm -hmm. do you need to know? And when we think about the skill development, this is right in the heart and center of everything we need to do. So becoming 
prompt engineers, figuring mm -hmm. out how to get the most out of the tools, figuring out how to leverage them to improve your work, but also improve the outcomes that you deliver. Yeah, for um, sure. Figuring out how to train software developers to leverage them so that they can become more producti productive. I mean, for sure, we got a lot of work to do. Look, uh, I think it became very obvious to us early on uh, using you know Duet AI as an ex example for us and our workspace customers. It's not as if the moment you turn on AI capabilities, people automatically become more productive. Right. There's real training involved. There's enablement involved because this is not the same old paradigm in the way that people work. So I think this is, we're well trained as, a, as, as, as an organization because so much of the work that we do has always required a tremendous amount of training, enablement, change management. But I think it's very important to remember that where the technology meets the people, is probably half the work. Right. It's right. not just the technology work and architecture and security. It's the human aspect is is, is the other half and of I the work. I think we saw that with mobile phones too. I mean, yeah. I think we yeah. we learned that people could do so much of their work wherever they were, mm -hmm. and that drove productivity. We saw it in we saw it in the numbers. Yeah. We saw it with cloud. Mm -hmm. I mean, cloud I think is a really good parallel to adoption of Gen AI mm -hmm. because um, so many boards started to say you know, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago, yeah. tell me about your cloud strategy. Right. Are we all moving everything to the cloud? <laughs> right. And CIOs everywhere were like, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know yeah. what that is. Yeah. So I think we're kind of in that same phase, mm -hmm. but I think the impact could be even greater. Mm -hmm. Just like with cloud, AI also is a paradigm that is not everything automatically all at once public cloud. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about how part of this thesis of us coming together, certainly we feel it on our side, is that the multi-cloud and hybrid strength that this union brings together for the market? Because yeah. I think I'm super excited about it because that's a capability we never really had. I think there's not a single person who knows about technology that would not would argue against multi-cloud. I mm -hmm. mean, we're seeing it with our customers. We're seeing it in the data. Every customer is interested in having multiple clouds. Everybody is concerned about locking their data down in one particular place and not being able to get it out. Mm -hmm. So um, what we do know also, not every workload is optimized in the public cloud. Mm -hmm. Not every workload can be optimized in the private cloud. Mm -hmm. But everyone, all of our clients, every customer out there absolutely wants to be able to leverage the ease of provisioning and yes. the ease of management yes. and the ability to move data around into different op applications, et cetera. And so what I think that has done for the industry has really driven a level of simplicity, ease of use requirement into private clouds. Mm -hmm. And we sell a lot of technology to our clients, mm -hmm. a lot of storage servers, um, networking gear, et yep. cetera. And, um, and as they optimize their workloads or as we help them optimize their mm -hmm. workloads and figure out what goes where, the the on-prem piece is very, very important it's to so our important. clients and, so and to and to our partners, of course. Mm -hmm. And we love the fact that we have the expertise to be able to help clients decide which technology should I use, where mm -hmm. should these workloads go, and we can do that without bias. Mm -hmm. um, and that I think is kind of is a differentiator for us. And now yeah. that we have yeah. so much depth mm -hmm. in Google, so much depth in mm -hmm. Microsoft, so much depth in on-prem, and we have a small AWS practice, I think we're in an unbelievable position to do just that. There's a bunch of opportunities uh, when we were standalone that we literally could not compete in or pursue because there's, you know, whether it's manufacturing or retail or there's all these use cases around 
Where do these AI models run? Where is the data stored? Where is the processing done? In a distributed uh, customer environment, on-premise is so important. And now I feel like we can bring some of this great Google technology mm -hmm. that needs to run on-premise mm -hmm. and partner with and Insight to do it. Yeah. Right, like yeah. we, there's all these deals we just couldn't pursue. And now I'm so excited. Like not only do I have the scale, boots on the ground and the global um, availability of your amazing teams and talent, but, but the on-premise chops. Well, and by the way, and we shouldn't expect, uh, forget workspaces and devices oh, yeah. too, because oh, yeah. that is, at the end of the day, the interface. I think there was a there was a, the interface is some kind of personal device that people mm -hmm. are using, right? Oh, for sure, we can do that for our customers before yeah. before yeah. this joining of forces. And I think um, I want to say it was maybe like 15 years ago mm -hmm. that right after the iPhone came out, Michael Dell said, "Yeah, everybody's talking about the death of the PC," and then. Every year after that, the same conference, you'd say, a lot of PCs, still a lot of PCs. And it's true. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. for creating work, yeah. you need something like a yeah. device. Yeah. And we have a great capability not mm -hmm. only to recommend the right device, mm -hmm. make sure that the workspace solution works mm -hmm. really well. And now we have mm -hmm. more options. Look, whether they're going to be on your desk, in your pocket, yeah. on your face, out of <laughs> what it is, I know the inside's going to be able to deliver it. So, exactly. hey, you, you know, you really rushed over your self-introduction. You probably thought you, you got to just get out of talking about yourself, but I'm going to bring us back there because one of the things I love about walking around here, which I love being in this office, it's beautiful, um, is uh, one of your one of your folks, uh, I told him, you know, at the coffee shop we met, I said, I'm going to interview Joy. She said, make sure you ask her about your leadership style. So Prashant Singh, mm. um, who I've seen multiple times here as I've been around, he's like, ask her about her leadership style. And there's a little story that he remembers that you told. And he's probably, he said, self-admittedly, he's probably butchering it. But if you give me the background of it, he said, she said something around um, paint the bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What does that mean? And okay. did he get it right? He got it right. Tell That's us about right. it. That's right. That's yeah. right. I was a plant manager in Cookville, Tennessee when I worked for Cummins. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I had been on a plant tour once when they asked me to be a plant manager, so I was eminently qualified. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Here's what I knew. I knew I could go figure it out because I knew I could talk to the team in the plant. This is 800 or so UAW employees. Mm -hmm. So and then I spent a lot of time walking around the plant, understanding the material flow, understanding people. And um, but then I had a mentor. He was uh, his name was John Yoder. He mm -hmm. had been a plant manager for 50 years at Cummins wow. five zero, and he's a man of very few words. So he, mm -hmm. um, I went and said, John, I really don't know what to do. Like, what should I do? He said, Paint the bathrooms, Joyce. I said, Paint the bathrooms. I said, What are you talking about? And he said, You're smart. You'll figure it out. So. Wow. I said, that's like a weird manufacturing code. I don't know or something. <laughs> but um, the next day I went into the bathrooms on the shop floor. Mirrors were broken. Tiles were broken. Mm. Kind of dirty. Very mm. dingy. Bad lighting. Mm. And I thought, oh, I see what he's talking about. I mean, he's talking about make, you know, make, team, make your teammates, make your employees feel valuable. I mm -hmm. mean, show them respect because mm -hmm. they're coming in and doing a ton of work every single mm -hmm. day. And... They have to do it in this environment. It's not like they can choose where to go. Right. And they're walking into this place two or three times a day. And it's basically saying, you don't matter. We, we don't, don't care. care about you. That investment, not yeah. only that, of course, yeah. different working condition yeah. investments and different financial investments. No, it's symbolic. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. But it also taught me that, oh, my gosh, what is more precious than mm -hmm. the hours of work that mm -hmm. people are willing to put in to 
serving our customers, mm -hmm. supporting our partners, mm -hmm. helping each other, mm -hmm. and we need to be appreciative of that, and we should show it to them. So this, this office, is this is why this place is so beautiful. Yes, I get it. Yes. You know, I know it's Glynis's vision Absolutely. come to Glynis's come to life and. It is so, um, so welcoming. And uh, that's why, you know, I'm here like every other week, um, minimum. And so are our people. And it's a beautiful office. I get where that comes from. But it's, I think it's a symbolism around paying attention to the little things. Yep. And to the things that matter to people experience. Yes. Employee experience. Yes. I think they're little things, but in aggregate, like the plants, the, 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 the real plants, the beautiful library, the coffee shop. Amazing conference rooms that work all the time. Beautiful bathrooms, by the way. Your beautiful bathrooms, bathrooms beautiful. yes. Uh, all yes, of it, beautiful. all of it matters because I think those are expressions of simple, fundamental things that um, show that you care. But it's, I mean, it's more than that. Well, clearly, you're you're getting a lot of these things right because uh, you were also recently awarded by Newsweek, uh, uh, one of America's best places to work for diversity. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, and what does what does that mean to you? And why do you think that's important? Because I I fundamentally believe and know, and I think it's scientific, that diversity of experiences, diversity of backgrounds, diversity of thought, diversity of cultures, genders, etc are where you maximize collective intelligence. Yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. And by the way, I would mm -hmm. say the foundation for making decisions like a beautiful office mm -hmm. are really rooted in our values. And I'm going to tie that back to the diversity comment in mm -hmm. a second. But, mm -hmm. but if we say our values, and we do all the time, mm -hmm. talk about hunger, which is all about delivering results, mm -hmm. talk about heart, which is how we treat each other, mm -hmm. talk about harmony, which is how we interact collaborate and come up with the mm -hmm. best, you know, the best kind of answers mm -hmm. and then move in the same directions, mm -hmm. much like a symphony. Mm -hmm. I mean, this space is designed to do that. Show our teammates we care about them, figure yes. out how to drive collaboration. Yes. And, and so this is kind of obviously everything else is on a small scale, smaller scale. But when we open up other offices, it's meant to say reflect those values, too. And that also helps us attract and retain amazing talent. Right. And diverse talent is going to give us better answers than monolithic talent of and course so i we have um very active set of ergs we have uh, i think around four thousand or so or five thousand or so of our teammates involved in in our trgs our um, teammate amazing. resource groups it's wonderful um and they do all sorts of different things and have different celebrations and different awareness work workshops etc um, we think a lot about it as we think about succession planning and diversity and um and uh development programs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know, I think it's I think it's just a smart business decision. I, Thinking about it is a really good idea. It's a very good idea because you want to cast a very wide net. Yes. Because you don't know where the most talented people are if you keep looking in the same places. Yep. And then you want to be an attractive place for eight, the most talented people to want to work. Right. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, people want to conflate it with, you know, uh, that means we don't care about meritocracy. That couldn't be farther no, from the truth. That drives farther. me wild. It couldn't be farther. Uh, I'm so glad we're very aligned on this because we've always you know, immigrant founded company, yeah. um, very diverse a Great story, by the way. Thank you so much. And it's always like somebody had to give us a shot. Yeah. You know, somebody had to give me a shot or my father a shot. So yeah. I, I really respect and appreciate that. And I'm glad we came from similar roots and that's so near and dear to your heart. And I think part of our journey together is going to be like continue to be able to attract the best talent. Well, and you know what? I think I, I, I like to think about and retain. Yeah, and, and develop. Mm -hmm. um, I like to think about um, diversity in a very broad way. But um, mm -hmm. one of the things that I learned early on in my career is that I was very attracted to people like you, 
I would, I really want high energy. I really want yeah. high curiosity. <laughs> or high, like somebody who's really dynamic and exciting mm -hmm. and to be around. And, um, and I also learned that the best teams are made up of people like you, but also, also like me, but also people who are really totally, circumspect and really totally. thoughtful and maybe more careful about kind of drawing a conclusion and mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit more deliberate in their activities and actions. And oh, that yes. combination yeah. is where you get the power. But totally. I had to learn, hey, wait a second. Don't just look in the mirror when you're interviewing someone. Totally, it's a big mistake. Yeah, it's you gotta go find people. Yeah. Who You've are seen different. our team. Yeah. We couldn't be more I eclectic. I know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love our team uh, for that reason, yeah. and I learned that over time too. Yeah. You can't hire a bunch of Tonys. Yeah, you're gonna fail. <laughs> uh, you, have to, you have to have a good combination. Uh, but um, uh, and again, I think this is. I think just in, us coming together just enhances this yes. whole story, yes. and I love that exactly. very, very much. Well, thank I think you should talk a little bit about your family. Because okay. I think your mom and dad are amazing and your the story of yeah. them coming over to this country yeah. and then building such an incredible company. Thank you. We'd, obviously you Did you just flip this around? Yes. Are you interviewing yes. me? Yes. Okay. A guest has never done that before, but if anyone were to do it, it would be my, my new boss, Joyce. Um, no, look, it's an incredible story. And this is a the next chapter that I think pays tribute to their incredible journey that I couldn't even imagine of, you know, leaving everyone and everything, you know, in your 30s with a young child and starting over, knowing that this is a definitely the place to to do great things, but knowing nothing about the culture and the system and how economics work and all. All they knew was that, you know, trying to be great at something and working really hard should produce the right outcome in a uh, capitalist environment. Right which is what they were coming to. So they, you know, worked extremely hard, always making sure that I had all my needs met, that I had, you know, uh, the things I need to feel like I was, I could integrate into the American culture, into the American education system and be prepared to, um, to have a much easier, you know, start of my professional life, my adult life than, than they, they did. did yeah. And somehow through a bunch of hundreds of serendipitous steps and events and, things um, and a lot of hard work a lot of hard work yeah. started this company that I ended up joining very early and you know it was the best combination of traditional old school values and completely naive random thoughts about the art of the possible mm -hmm. keeping each other in balance till we got to this point of building um, at some point, also a great Microsoft business, by the way, mm -hmm. which we yeah. we sold in 2019, which is totally ironic. <laughs> I know. We sold the Microsoft business, now joined a, a huge Microsoft partner and built a great, great Google business. And we were evaluating the outcomes together that they wanted, that we wanted to put our customers and people in the best possible position of four decades. And uh, we found each other and, and, you know, my father is having a great time because uh, he's out of work. You can't be the chairman of a board that just got dissolved, Joyce, right? So, hi, Dad. He's having a great time. I spend a lot of time, you know, with him. We have lunch a couple times a week. It's great. And my mom's working in the finance organization like she has for many years. She was the CFO. Yeah. Early days, who do you trust with the money of the yeah. company other than your mom? It was yeah. perfect setup, and she yeah. has an accounting background. And, you know, now we're just reimagining what's possible yeah. together. And I feel very accomplished as the son that took their dream and vision and brought it to this point. And then, uh, but also we all realize that there's tons more work to do and more opportunity than ever to do it mm -hmm. under this umbrella, uh, this tremendous umbrella. Um, and 
we're just really excited to be here. So thank you for your trust, your vision, who saw something special in us. And now we have a tremendous, tremendous feeling of obligation to make it come to fruition, to fulfill its full potential um, for, for this team that we love at Insight, but also, of course, uh, investors, shareholders, the board and everyone else and our customers yeah, and our, our customers. people. Yeah. Yeah. Our customers need a multi-cloud powerhouse and, they do. and we're it. Yeah. So I, I have all kinds of optimism about our ability to execute together yeah. and to grow this combined organization together and deliver exceptional value to our clients. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks for uh, having me. Cloud and Clear. Uh, please subscribe if you want to see more episodes like this. I'm doing this great CEO series. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to match Joyce. I don't know, but oh, we'll yeah, see. There'll be, there'll be more CEOs. And I really hope you appreciate this content as much as we like creating it. Um, join us for next time. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com.